Good morning. My name is Scott Insminger, one of the ministers here on staff, and just want to uh, thank you so much for being here today. And just want to take a moment just to say, if you have a, a child that is uh, below the age of two in the service today, that first of all, that we're thankful that you're here with them. And, and uh, as we, not only do we celebrate Father's Day, we get to have the nursery in here with us. There was a lot of water that came into this building last night. It was pretty amazing. There were two basically rivers running through the center part of the uh, worship center here, and a lot of water coming out from underneath the stage, which I didn't know that was possible, but it, it did. So, uh, but we are, we are thankful uh, that you're here with us today. We're thankful for your patience with us, and thankful we can still have church today. Uh, even though everything isn't perfect and water got in places, that was a lot of water that came through very quickly. So we're definitely thankful that we're all able to be here and worship together today. Well, today we're talking about servanthood. Today we're talking about, uh, we'll be uh, spending most of the morning in Mark chapter 10. If you want to take your Bibles and turn there to verse 35, that would be great. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. There are things that we do sometimes, and there are things that we say, and sometimes I have the ability to overload my mouth. I don't know if you have that ability or not. What I basically mean is, is I, I say more than what I can really back up. For example, whenever I was in high school, uh, uh, our school wasn't a very big school. Uh, my graduating class had 35 students in it, and uh, proud to say I was, I was in the top 10 of my class, so... So, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, my wife, Kim, whenever we were talking one day, uh, when, when we were college dating, I, she said something about, about school, and I think it was because maybe I wasn't putting quite the effort into school that she thought I should have been, and she said, what, what number were you ranked when you were, you know, in, in your class when you graduated? I said, I was ninth in my class when I graduated. And she said, I was too. And I said, see, basically, basically we're the same. And she said, yeah, there were like 600 and something students in my grade. And I was like, okay, just a little different. So anyway, uh, I also, I was not the best athlete in school, but I was one of the best talkers in school, okay? Uh, those are two different things. Um, playing uh, a high school basketball game one night, it was my junior year. Uh, I had I decided that I was not the best shooter in the world. I was not very tall. Um, I, I was about 5'9 and weighed about 120 pounds with all my clothes on and uh, probably three or four layers of clothes, actually. So I was not, there was not a lot to me. I was basically all bones. And, uh, but I filled a uniform out great. So, and, uh, but so the, so the coach one, one night in a game we were playing against a team uh, in Sicily Island, Louisiana, which were a couple uh, classes above us. And they had a player on their team that was going to go play Division I basketball. And this guy was about 6'3 to 6'4 and could score. And we had talked about throughout the week that one time that we should try a box and one on him. Basically means that one person is going to guard him every time that his team is on offense. So, so the coach, I'm sitting on the bench. By the way, I spent a lot of time on the bench in basketball. Enough that I carried a cushion to the games, okay? It was a long season. I was not going to put my I was not going to put myself through that. Okay, so I'd carry a cushion every now and then in the game. I'd sit on the bench and I'd look down at the coach, especially for getting blown out or we're blowing somebody out. I look down at Mr. Jack, our coach. I say, "Hey, this cushion, it, you can sit on it if you put me in the game." You know, so I'd negotiate with him. So, so Mr. Jack calls a timeout and he looks at me and he walks down to me. And Mr. Jack was uh, someone that was that. Uh, 
had polio as a child, so Mr. Jack couldn't walk just real great, but he, he kind of limps in there to me, and, he, and I'm sitting at the edge of the, toward the end of the bench because he couldn't hear all my crude you know, comments and making fun of players if I was sitting down there. I also got a technical in a basketball game one time sitting on the bench. That's a later story. Uh, but anyway, so I'm sitting down there, and Mr. Jack walks down to me. He says, Scott, you want to play in this game? Yes, sir. He said, can you guard... His last name was Amber. He said, can you guard Amber's? Amber's is 6'3". He's a Vision I athlete. He's got a full ride, four-year... And I was like, yes, sir, I can guard him. And he said, well, then go in the box of one. So we, so we huddled up, and the other four starters are there and me, and they're all looking like, what are you... I was like, I got this. I got this. I got this. And they're like, okay. They said, know something. And Mr. Jack looked at me and said, you're not getting the ball on offense. Don't expect it. If you do get it, do not shoot it. Got it. Just guard him. I was like, got it. He said, make him angry, tick him off, harass him however you can. I was like, I got this. So anyway, so I, so we start playing, and and uh, you know, the first couple times I'm guarding, uh, I'm guarding this guy, and he he's fast, and I'm, I'm you know I'm pretty quick, so I'm doing my best to uh, 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 to guard him. And I remember Mr. Jack saying, guard him and tick him off and harass him. So sometimes I would start guarding this guy when we had the ball. I just walk up to him and just start guarding. He's like, dude, you got the ball. I was like, I know. I'm shutting you down on both ends. You know, and I got back like this. He scored 30 points in the third quarter of that game. I got dunked on twice. That's the first time I'd ever seen a shoe coming at my face before. Uh, it was a scary thing. And, and at, the, at the end of the third quarter, uh, uh, and the, the quarter ends, and you go back to your benches, Mr. Jack looks at me and says, uh, I think you can go back and have a seat. He said, you did tick him off. I said, I did tick him off that night. He's like, yes, sir. I, I ticked him off pretty well. And he said, yeah, yeah, he, he scored 30 points this quarter. And I was like, what did he score in the first half? And he said, 15. I was like, oh, I guess I lived up to my billing. So, so, he, so anyway, so I, it was one of those nights, though, but I'll, you know, but I was in the game, and I was in the moment. I thought, I got this. I got this. I can guard this guy. I will harass him. I will make him angry. And I did. I just could not stop him. And that was the problem. So, so with, with that being said, when we're looking in Mark chapter 10 today, we're going to see James and John ask a question, and they're going to overload their mouth. They're going to ask for more than what they realize they're even asking for. Today we're talking about servanthood. If you look at the uh, side of your uh, bulletin insert there, talking about the message, today we're talking about servanthood and, and what that means and getting a great example of, of, of how that should work. So as, as we look at this passage, if you look in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, the first part of this scripture sets, sets things up for us pretty well. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to the teacher and said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's a loaded question sometimes, isn't it, or a comment. We want you to do whatever we ask. Will you do that? And Jesus comes back with this response in verse 36. He says, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other sit at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? Are we baptized with the baptized, I mean, with the baptism I am baptized with? Verse 39 is where we take our, 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 our title today. And look at the comment or the answer that they gave back to Jesus. They said, we can. Jesus said to them, 
You will drink the cup and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Okay? The other disciples are hearing this conversation happen. And they become angry. They become resentful that James and John are even asking this question. Like, what are you doing? Why are you asking this? And Jesus pulls everybody together at this moment. And he has a conversation with them. Kind of like Mr. Jack pulled all of us together, me and the four starters, and he said, you're not going to shoot. <laughs> this is only your job, and this is what you're going to do. Jesus pulls them all back in together and says, here's, here's what I want you to hear from me. And Jesus says this. Look at verse 42. It says, you know that, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a, ran as a ransom for many. So when we see this and we read this passage, Jesus is letting them know there is a lot of responsibility when you ask the question that you ask. So when it comes to us and our life and our walk with Jesus every day, there are three things that we can learn from this passage. The reality is James and John ask a question that they have no idea what, what, what they're asking. So the first thing for us to realize is, and, and it's the first point on your blanks uh, of, of your bulletin insert, is that God knows our desires. He knows our desires. He knows our motivation. He knows why we do what we do. He knows our heart. And here at this moment, whenever G, uh, James and John come up to him and say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask, and Jesus comes back and says, what is it you want me to do? And then they reply and say, let one of us sit at the, left, at, at the right and the other at the left of your glory. In verse 38, let's go back to that verse again, when Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? He's asking a question here. Because Jesus knows what this, what, what this means. And he wants to make sure that they know what their desire is when they may ask that question. When you look in chapter 10, look at the next set of verses right, right above this passage. At verse 33 of Mark chapter 10. Jesus is going to predict his death for the third time. And look at what Jesus says here. He says, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be, will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus knows what's to come when you say, we can and we want to follow you. And he knows that and he wants to teach them to make sure they better be careful of what their motive is and why they ask that. And that's why he pulls everyone together and he says that whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. Because Christ wanted them to see that when you say that you want to follow him and be at the right and the left hand, your motivation better be pure. Because when it gets tough, if your motivation isn't pure, it's going to fall apart and you're not going to succeed through it. I remember asking, asking Kim, would she marry me? And she said yes. 
when I called her parents before I asked her, and I asked her parents because they were living in Texas, and I called them and asked them, could I marry Kim? And they both said that I could, and then Kim's dad said, well, have you asked Kim yet if, if, if she will marry you? And I said, no, sir. And he said, well, if she says no, two out of three is not bad. <laughs> He's like, good luck. And I'm like, thanks <laughs> for that little bit of confidence there. I had no idea, though, what it meant when I said my wedding vows. I knew I loved Kim with all my heart, and when the minister asked us, I had no idea what for better or for worse meant. Had no idea. I had no idea what for richer or for poor meant. In sickness and in health, I had no idea what that meant. I knew that I had the desire to, to live a life with Kim every step of the way. But my desire and my motivation was still immature. It's still growing. I didn't know completely what I was asking for. Had no idea. So that takes us to our second point. Not only does God know our desires, he also knows our limitations. He knows our limitations. He knew that James and John's motivation was not pure. He knew that, 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 that they were wanting something. They wanted the power of it more than anything else. That's what they wanted. He knows our limitations. And that's why he asked the question about, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they said, we can. And he begins to teach that. He knew their limitations. There was part of me after the basketball game that I felt pretty silly for saying that I, that I could handle that player. And I appreciate the coach coming to me and saying, I knew that, that you didn't have a snowball's chance in doing that, but I knew you wouldn't quit. He knew my limitations. He knew them. But he was willing to give me a shot, and I was appreciative of that. One of the things that I, I, I realize is, is that when, when James and John, their, their motive causes the other apostles to become angry with them, as it talks about in verse 41. And Jesus begins to pull them together, and he begins to ask the questions. And the last part of, of verse 42, Jesus says, the, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He knew every one of those disciples were worth investing in, even though they had limitations. And he knew what he was going to have to go through to save them and to save us. And he loved them anyway. One of the things I've come to know in the last few years is, is that there are limitations that, that all of us have. I've been in, I've been in ministry now uh, for 21 years. And I would say that the first 16 or 17 years of ministry, there were a lot of times that I went to people and talked with them when they were going through difficult times and sit down next to a young man that had lost a parent and say things to him and realize I was limited in my knowledge of what I was saying to them. And things became a lot clearer to me four years ago when my dad passed away. I began to learn what I was saying 
See, I, I spoke truth, and I had the right desires and motivation when I would talk to them about going through tough times. And God used me in spite of my limitations. So two weeks ago, I got a phone call on a Saturday morning. And it was from my mom saying that, that Jimmy had passed away. And Jimmy was my dad's fishing buddy. And Jimmy was the last person to see my dad alive. They were fishing together on a Saturday morning, and my dad had a heart attack in the boat. And one of the things that Jimmy kept saying to me over and over again when I got back down to Louisiana to be down there with my mom and with my brothers is, is, is he told me that he never quit trying to do CPR on my dad. So as I began to write the funeral message for Jimmy, these are some of my notes from that. The things I wanted to say to his children, I knew what I needed to say. And I knew the things I needed to say to them privately and the things I needed to say to them publicly. Why? Because God had used my limitations and to make me better. See, I always said some of the same things, but I had no idea what I was really meaning by that. And God knew my limitations. And because of that, God has made me stronger. God has made me better by using my limitations. But it goes back to the first thing we need to realize this, is that God knows our desires and he knows when they're pure. He knows that. And whenever we get those things right with God and our motivation of why we do what we do is to serve God completely, he's going to use our limitations, even when we're immature. There are things that we're going to do and there are things we're going to try to do, and sometimes we're going to mess up with that. Okay? Like I said, I had the ability to overload my mouth. We were living in Indianapolis at the time, and uh, Kim was uh, uh, about three weeks away from the due date of Shelby being born, and we're sitting in the doctor's office, and Dr. Floyd comes in and he says, um, I, I, I want you here tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. We're going to go ahead and, and we're going to have this baby tomorrow. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, aren't we like three weeks away? And he, said, and he sat down in a chair. And Mr. Floyd was, I mean, Dr. Floyd was very confident of who he was as a doctor. So he did not take it, someone with a southern accent going, are you sure this is a good idea? He didn't really appreciate that. And he said, he said, Scott, do you remember how long Kim was in labor with your first child? And I said, yes, sir, I think like six hours, start to finish. He says, okay. Let me ask you a question, another question. Do you want to deliver this child on the side of the road trying to get to the hospital? No, sir. Well, then you need to be here tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Because we're going to have that baby. Yes, sir. Dr. Floyd knew my limitations. Even when I was foolish, he knew my limitations. And he knew my motivation was is that I really did want us to have a healthy child, and I really didn't want to be on the news for delivering a, birth, you know, a child on the side of the road. I really didn't. And sometimes I don't handle stress real well, so I don't, think how, I don't know how well that would have gone completely. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that it would have been an experience that my wife would have never discussed to me after that situation. She'd have been like, we'll, we'll never talk about this again. Pretty sure of that. So God knows our limitations. He knows those. 
He knew that with James and John. He challenged them. And, that's when, and, and the thing is, as I keep thinking about, Jesus in the scripture here had predicted his death for the third time. And he said, and again, looking at verse 34, he says that they will mock me and they will flog me and they will kill me. But I will rise three days later. He knew what was going to happen to him. So for them to come and ask, can we sit at your right and left hand? He knew they had no idea what that meant. And sometimes we do the same thing. So the third point of this is, is one of those things where I love how God loves us in spite of our weaknesses. I love it that God loves us when we are weak, but he is strong. And the last point that's on your insert there is that God knows we can through him. God can use us. God can use us completely in ways that we'll never imagine. And we can do that when we follow him completely. Here's the thing I want you to think about. If you have your Bibles open, I want you to turn over. This isn't going to be on the screen. But I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, which my favorite book of the Bible is the book of Acts. I love it. I love reading how they were trying to start the churches after Jesus had gone back up to heaven. And I love the motivation behind the amazing things that had happened. But I want you to look at Acts chapter 12, and I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, uh, intending to persecute them. And this next verse is just one small statement. But I want you to look at verse 2 and what it says. It says, He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. At that moment, James was prepared to do what he said he could do earlier in Scripture. The day he asked that question, he was not. But he began to grow and mature, and he was ready for that day. When King Herod had them arrested, and it was time for him to, to face the soldiers and, and face the punishment, when it says in verse 38, it says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And James and John says, we can. At that moment, clarity began to happen completely in James's life because he did drink the cup that Jesus drank with and he was baptized with the baptism that he was baptized with. And his motivation at that moment wasn't to sit at the right or the left hand of God, but to proclaim his faith in Christ. That's servanthood. In Hebrews chapter 11, I love all of the different people that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And it says, by faith, 
they did this, and by faith they did that. One of my favorite people is Moses, and it says by faith. It talks about all the amazing things that God did through Moses. And God knew Moses' limitations. He knew that he had a problem with his speech. He was not a great communicator, yet he led the people of, of Israelite out of, out of bondage. God used him in spite of, of his limitations. And when, because Moses was willing to follow God, he was able to do amazing things. You will be able to do amazing things for the kingdom of Christ when you say, I'm going to follow him completely. And my desire is I want people to see Jesus. That's my motivation. That's what I want it to be. I love the idea of, of just looking at scripture and seeing that, that James was ready to fight the fight at the end. He had a lot of growing up to do as we read about him in, in the book of Mark. But he figured it out. And the reason why he figured it out was is because God continued to mold him. So his desires became the, the desires of God. And his wants became God's wants. That meant he wanted the name of Christ proclaimed more than anything else. He wanted to be a godly person. For you, my challenge for you today is, is, that, is that your motivation is to proclaim Christ in everything that you do. Not for things of this world, but for the sake of Christ. And let God use your limitations to make you better. He's patient. He's patient with us. Give him those limitations and let him use those. Because he took selfishness from James and John and turned it into unselfishness. That James was willing to, to die for the sake of Christ. So for us today, my challenge is, is that we get to the point to where we know that we can do amazing things through him because we're willing to follow him completely and we're willing to drink of that cup and we're willing to be a part of that baptism with Christ and when that happens our motivation completely changes See, I don't desire just to be a dad I desire to be a godly dad I don't desire to be a, just a, a husband I want to be a godly husband and I don't desire to be just a friend. I want to be a godly friend. See, my motivation changes completely when I say I want to follow you completely, Christ. And I give you all things. So here I am. Use me. We're about to uh, stand together and sing. There'll be some of us at some tables. If you need someone to pray with, we'd love to invite you to that. I, I, just, I just encourage you today, as even as we sing praises to our God, that you just take that opportunity just to focus on Him and let God use your limitations and let Him change your desires to use you for amazing things for the kingdom. Will you pray with me, please? God, I thank you for loving us, and I thank you for your example of what servanthood looks like. I thank you for our Savior, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to see 
James changed completely that he was willing to die for the cause. And I thank you for seeing maturity in him. That gives me hope that as I grow and mature that you're going to still use me in ways right now that I have no idea that you're going to do. God, I thank you for loving us, and I thank you for our Savior. In Christ's name I pray, amen.